Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome in on a Friday. Michael Borky will east with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Got a busy, 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 busy show for you today. Mississippi State got eliminated from the SEC tournament. However, if you believe in bracketology, I don't know where you go to school for that, but if you believe in bracketology, Mississippi State is still totally fine. This loss to Alabama not impacting their status in the NCAA tournament at all. Now, if you're a State fan between now and Sunday, you are just hoping and hoping and hoping that uh, things go to chalk. For example, you want Florida Atlantic to keep winning in the Conference USA tournament just to make sure that the Conference USA is only a one-bid league. Those kind of things can get weird, but generally speaking, today's loss, which we'll talk about here in a second, not going to hurt Mississippi State really at all. We've also got a baseball preview. Final weekend of the non-conference schedule already in baseball is this weekend. It's the last one. What to look for for uh, Ole Miss as Purdue comes to town, Mississippi State. Is this a get-right weekend? It better be, or else things get a little squirrely. We're on Chris Beard watch. Will something happen today? Doesn't feel like something's going to happen today, but we we will talk about that too because we kind of have to. We ripped on Bruce Feldman's coach rankings yesterday because they were terrible. I sat down today and did an SEC ranking. And you guys are probably going to hate it, and that's okay. We're going to talk about that as well. Ben Mintz at 406. And, of course, your messages, 601-879-4395, the C Spire text line. Don't text and drive, but we would love to have you as a part of the show this afternoon. Again, a busy, busy day. But we'll start with Mississippi State. They lose to Alabama. 72-49 was the score. I mean, I had a state fan friend, a state fan friend, or a state friend. Either way. Had one of them text a me earlier. friend. A friend who is a state, state fan. fan. Yeah, something like that. Text me at about 11 was like, hey, man, I'm nervous today. And I was like, nervous for what? You're playing one of the best teams, if not the best team in America, and you've already solidified you're standing in the NCAA tournament. It's a free shot. You know, losing this game is not going to impact you at all. And it looked like it. Again, State got dominated basically from the jump. Alabama jumped out to a 7 to nothing lead, and it really just kind of went that way from there. Watching it today, it was clear that, let's be honest, Mississippi State was overmatched anyway. Alabama's one of the best teams in America. 
So there was already kind of a mismatch. And you could tell that Mississippi State was a team that played an uh, emotional overtime game yesterday, and Alabama did not. It was very clear. I mean, even a bad shooting team like Mississippi State, you can tell when a team's tired when there's no arc on their shots. Stuff like that. It was a tired basketball team. They had an emotional game yesterday. It was a free shot. It didn't come to fruition. They could have helped their tournament seeding today. They didn't. And now we wait and see until Sunday. So that's really all it was. We could break down the X's and O's if you want to, but sometimes sports are really simple. Overmatched team played an emotional overtime game yesterday, and that's exactly what played out on the court in Nashville today. But odds are State's in. Pretty much. I mean, it, you know, it, you, you don't guarantee anything, as we've learned uh, recently. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't speak in absolutes. Only a but Sith deals in absolutes, Michael. Very, 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 very <laughs> likely that they make it. it. It seems like everybody that does the bracket thing, like Joe Lenardi said a loss today, just doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they're going to make it. There's a chance they're in that weird Tuesday first four. Like th- That's entirely possible that they're there. But them not making the tournament would mean that there were a ton of bid stealers. I mean, a, a metric ton of... And, and that's going to happen. I mean, you're going to have to sweat Un- out some of these. Unlikely conference champs, that type of thing. Stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's the only way they don't uh, get in at this point. It, it feels like, anyway. Now, knock on wood, State fans. Again, Florida Atlantic, that's a good one. Root for Florida Atlantic. Because they're getting in regardless. That is one of those weird circumstances where the Conference USA has a team that's going to get in regardless of the outcome of the Conference USA tournament. Florida Atlantic's getting in. There has not been a 30-win team not make the NCAA tournament. They just won their 30th game today. They're getting in. Their their net is really good. But should they lose, let's say UAB, shout out Andy Kennedy, let's say UAB wins the Conference USA instead of Florida Atlantic, well, there's one fewer bid for, for Mississippi State. That's just kind of how this deal works. And there's not that many out there, but just root for chalk. That's what you do. Between now and Sunday, root for the better teams to win all these tournaments, and and you're likely likely in. If that does happen, and, and you know the last time you'll hear from us is after it does happen. If that does happen, it still bears repeating how good of a job this was. Now it's weird to say that after they kind of got smoked in the conference tournament today, but what Chris Jans was able to do with a roster that he didn't turn over—that's what I was thinking about today. It's it's the same guys, minus their best player from last year's team. It's the same guys. It's not like he took the job and then hit the transfer portal to a point where like, you don't recognize the roster anymore, and he went and he got a bunch of really good players like from whatever school here or here or here. It's the, the same roster. It's the same guys from a year ago, and it wasn't a good team last year, obviously, because their coach got fired, and then Iverson Molinar is gone. And he took that group and somehow, after a horrible start in the SEC, or not in the SEC tournament, in the SEC slate, record-wise, they were able to grind their way to wins and make the tournament a year after with the same guys. So it should be encouraging that what you hope is the worst team that he's had in terms of ability. I had a couple state fans, one sent me a message that was like, why do you keep saying that this isn't a good team? Because it's not. If this is a good roster for Chris Jans, that's not a good thing. This isn't 
a good roster. They don't have any shooting. Worst three-point shooting team in the SEC. Not really any reliable ball handlers. Don't have any real scorers outside of their legit really good big that has not taken an outside shot at any point this year. So your best offensive player doesn't stretch the floor at all, and yet they found their found their way into this position. It's an impressive coaching job, and despite you know the outcome today, it can't be over uh, overlooked. So Chase from Columbus says that State is dead last in the nation in three point percentage. Are they last? I knew they were last in the SEC. I did not know they were last in the country. And we get another one: worst three point shooting team in the entire country. Wow. You you don't win basketball games in this era like that, and yet they did. That's that's when. And I don't know how many people actually like don't like that I say things like that, but it, it's at least a few. Twenty seven percent from three, three sixty four out of three sixty four. I did not know. I, I knew it was the worst in the SEC. I did not know it was the worst in, in all of college basketball. You can't win that way, and yet they do. You can't. Nobody does. They apparently have. We'll see. Anyway, on Selection Sunday, just two days away. What do I think about Brandon Miller, Dan and Hattiesburg asked on the text line, being named as Naismith, as a Naismith Award finalist? Look, I, I get it. Because he is one of the best players in all of college basketball. We're kind of up against a break, so I want to get to this when we come back. But the, the I don't like complaining about the broadcast, and that's weird to say because I kind of do it a lot. <laughs> but today was especially bad, I thought. Carl Ravitch calling this game, talking about Alabama basketball and the adversity they faced this year, I thought was a little... Not even misguided. It's why can't anybody be honest about stuff like this? Like with Chris Beard and Ole Miss. We've talked about it at length. We'll do it some more because we have to. Ole Miss would be, when this happens, because it feels like it's a when and not if, Ole Miss is hiring Chris Beard because he's a good basketball coach, because he's going to win games when he gets there. Let's be honest about Chris Beard's candidacy at Ole Miss. It would not be a candidacy for the Ole Miss job had he not gotten arrested. Just a couple months ago. Let's be honest about Brandon Miller in Alabama. Oh, Nate Oates did such a good job navigating through what is a difficult situation. They frame it as if like something happened to Alabama. Like, player got cancer or something. Like It's framed as if they were, they were faced some adversity that they had no hand in. Oh, Nate Oates did a phenomenal job handling this situation. Wait, what? You mean after one of his players got arrested for capital murder and they tried as hard as they could to cover up the fact that two more of his players were there, one of which reportedly drove the murder weapon to the scene and oh, handled it so well. Alabama just overcoming adversity on, on this season. You, you, mean, you mean overcoming a player getting arrested on capital murder charges? I don't know. It's just, the, the framing of it seems ridiculous. We'll talk about it more when we come back. Again, 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'd love for you to be a part of the show this afternoon. I'm Michael Borky. He's Will East. We'll talk more about this Brandon Miller, Alabama thing when we come back.
Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. with you on a Friday. Back to the text line. And this is kind of what we have to do on a day like this because uh, Mississippi State got beat kind of badly. So we got to talk about other things like the announcers. But I do think it's worth talking about because as Dan in Hattiesburg says, they act as if Alabama is the victim. That's That was my biggest problem. I was rolling my eyes so much. And, you know, th- there is some merit to what Carl Ravitch said, though. There's some merit because... All of that happened, right? We've talked about it many times before. You know what happened. An Alabama player was arrested on capital murder charges. We went weeks without knowing that two other players were present during that time. What did Alabama do after that? They kept winning. Even after we find out that Brandon Miller reportedly drove that weapon to the scene and another Alabama player was there, they kept winning. Like, they didn't play great at times, but it's basketball. They just they, they kept winning. So there's some merit there to how they played basketball through a situation like that is, in a way, impressive because of all that. But the the, the praise But it's of, different from being, yes. you know, uh, survived a tornado and, you know, didn't let that affect you. Exactly. Uh, I mean, th- that that's... When you... Talk about how Nate Oates handled it well. When he did things like call in Ray Lewis for advice to his team. I mean, that was the first thing he did, by the way. We, people forget that Nate Oates, after one of his players was arrested on capital murder and two more were at the scene and one reportedly drove the gun, he called Ray Lewis to talk to his team about it. That, that was the first thing he did. I didn't know that part. Yeah. <laughs> he, and he talked about it publicly. Like, wow. yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, I called Ray Lewis. Because he's been in a situation like that before. I think was the framing. It's like, oh, oh, okay, Nate, chill. But then it was... You, you talk about a guy with firsthand experience yeah. of, a, of a situation like yeah, that. Yeah, that's... this. Well, wow. Uh, yeah, called in Ray Lewis. And then, and then said the wrong place, wrong time thing. And then you had... The, the the weapons check when Brandon Miller was announced in the starting lineups. And then today, for example, he makes a three-point shot. And I, I know it's a basketball thing. Like, basketball players do it everywhere. I understand he's a young kid. Again, probably didn't think it through, just like they the call it shooting. Check. But he makes a shot and then puts his, his hand down like this. Like he's holding a gun. And, and so when that happens in the game in front of you, you turn around and say, I handled it all so well. Even after the weapons check pat down, and you, you promised that would never happen again, after he makes a shot, he's doing this. Wow. Anyway, so that is, that's Mississippi State, Alabama. Talking about Carl Ravitch and the announcers and stuff more than the actual game because of uh, of what happened. I got asked earlier about you know how deep a run can this state team make to kind of wrap this conversation up. How deep of a run can they make? It is entirely dependent on matchup. That's the thing about this tournament. John and Hardiman asked us about, you know, Memphis. Can they win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament? It's a cop-out answer. Who are they going to play? Because if Mississippi State is 
gets matched up in the first round with a team that's got a couple of three-point shooters that, that just shoot the lights out, they're not winning. It's that simple. They can't match as good of, uh, uh, as defense as they play, as physical as they are, as athletic as they are. If they run into a team that's got a couple of guys that light you up from deep, they're not winning the game. But if they run into a team that's got a similar style as them, where it's a slower pace and they play through a big and they don't shoot the ball particularly well, of course they can win that game. It's not like football where it's it's not as matchup dependent the way basketball is. And so it's a cop-out answer. How deep can they go? It depends on who they get paired with. I'll use my, my hometown team as an example, Furman. Let's pretend for a second that they somehow get matched up with Furman. That's a bad matchup for Mississippi State. That's a team that shoots the lights out, one through four, basically. A bunch of guys that can shoot the ball. And if you run into a bunch of great shooters when you yourself are, as we've learned earlier, not the worst three-point shooting team in the SEC, the worst three-point shooting team in America, that's a a much more difficult matchup for you. So it's a cop-out answer. How deep can they go? It, It depends on what the bracket says. And that's really what it comes down to. You've seen great teams lose in the first round because of bad matchups. You've seen Lehigh beat Duke because Lehigh had an elite-level guard that shot the lights out that day. It's all matchup dependent. Back to the text line. How come nobody has mentioned the text that Miles sent Miller about bring me the gun was never open and read by Miller? Because nobody has said that officially. I mean, his own attorney referenced that message. I mean, they're they're not doing a good sales job on if that is actually the case that he never actually saw the message. They're doing a horrible sales job on that because nobody in non-Alabama media world, I'm talking about the people involved in the actual like legal side of things, have not specifically been like he never saw the message. It was never opened. They would be shouting that from the rooftops. They're not. There's a reason why. Check boy says, ball don't lie. Holy cow. Get another message. Called Ray Lewis to help navigate how to get out of charges, huh? Had no idea. Yeah, he bragged about talking to Ray Lewis. It's not like somebody had to do digging or Ray Lewis talked about it. Nate Oates offered that information to people. He offered that out. And if you don't remember what happened to Ray Lewis, Super Bowl, what was it? 1999, 2000, 2001, something like that. Something like that. It was the year before the Ravens won the Super Bowl. He was at a party in Atlanta celebrating the Super Bowl, and a fight happened. Someone ended up stabbed. and Was, was it one or two people uh, I dead? I just one. Maybe just one. Anyway, he was implicated in it, and they never found the suit that he was wearing that supposedly was bloody. He got off uh, free and the next year won the Super Bowl. And when most people talk about Ray Lewis, it's just a legendary football player. You know, yeah. That's that's all it is. Hall of Famer, obviously, but that is a <clears> – <throat> he was in a situation where he could have been put away for a long, long time, but wasn't. Uh, and still to this day, I think that murder has been in, is still unsolved. Hey, there are things that you just don't do, right? That that's what makes Alabama's handling of all of this or lack thereof. Sorry, Carl. Um, so stupid. The the like, how did nobody involved stop the weapons check pat down thing that they did before games? That that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's I, I get why he wasn't charged with a crime. I get it. 
I also get why Alabama's playing him. We've talked about it on here before. I wouldn't if I were Nate Oates, but here's the, the dirty little secret about college sports. Brandon Miller's playing because he scored 18 points today. He's six foot nine, shoots 42% from three. And if they win the championship, it will be on his shoulders. He is an elite level player, one of, if not the best college basketball player in this country. So I, I get why they're playing him. What I don't understand, though, is how after that happened, nobody stopped the weapons check until weeks later. How, in his mind, the doing this after a three-point shot is not, don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Don't call Ray Lewis. I know he, he never went to jail. He was never charged with a crime. But don't, don't invite that kind of stuff in. I had a friend text me, for example, uh, hashtag fear the beard. And I said, don't use that publicly. Just, just don't. That's yeah, a bad idea. D- don't do that. When you're talking about Chris Beard, don't use fear in in your hashtag to promote his candidacy or his hiring for your job. Just little things like that. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna play Brandon Miller, don't do a weapons check pat down. If you're gonna hire Chris Beard, don't use the word fear when you know supporting the the hire. Little things like that that you just shouldn't Vanderbilt do. Vanderbilt football after that whole incident. Oh we my will, gosh. What was it? We will not be stopped? No, it was worse. It was just, so after four Vanderbilt players got arrested for for the for the rape of somebody, they put a, a graphic out on social media that said we don't need permission. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, things like that just just don't you would, do stuff you would like think that. that there would be I know that they do classes with with athletes on media relations because I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, But you would think that somebody would say, hey, that's a terrible idea. Why are we doing that? And especially when it's in – I mean, it's one thing when it – you know, you put out something and then, you know, a couple weeks later, oh, this was going on in the background. Nobody knew about it. This whole Brandon Miller, the pat-down thing, the the holstering of the guns during – after a three-point shot. That's just bad media management. Yeah, terrible. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll turn the page next. We're going to introduce you to somebody that you'll be hearing more from as we move forward. Ben Mintz is coming up at 4.06. we got to talk about baseball this weekend as well. Did a get-right series for Mississippi State. It better be Ole Miss. One of the best offenses in America. Will they keep it rolling this weekend against Purdue? And the pitching situation there, getting a little interesting. I've also got some questions, or a question, about Ole Miss football. And I will rank the coaches in the SEC. 1 through 13. Why just 13? I'll tell you. That's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Again, an introduction when we come back. in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Will East with you on this Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, let's jump to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. It's a new name to those of you out listening. Honestly, it's a new name to me as well. 
uh, I pulled up an article at supertalk.fm and I saw this name and I thought, who the, who is Hunter Dawkins? So we're going to introduce him to you. And the first time I'm getting to talk to him, at least uh, in this platform as well. So Hunter Dawkins of the Gazebo Gazette joining us right now. Again, on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Hunter, we appreciate your time, and I'll just kind of fill the people in, and then we'll let you fill the gaps. Uh, Hunter Dawkins is a guy that you're going to hear, hopefully hear from a lot on on this show moving forward. Uh, He's going to be a contributor at supertalk.fm, writing about sports, but he also runs, again, the Gazebo Gazette down there on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Hunter, do I have all that right? Yes, sir, you do. Thank you very much, and I gratefully appreciate your help. And uh, you know, I've had some pretty good, uh, pretty good radio uh, put back from uh, from Ricky Matthews, uh, one of you guys, the coast partner you guys have, and uh, and it's just been it's been really pleasant, you know, being able to talk to discuss some things with you guys as well. So, and we're glad to have you. So, uh, for those of you that, or for those that don't know what the Gazebo Gazette is, uh, fill us in. Especially for those of us that that aren't there on the coast, where you are. Yes, sir. It's a uh, what you know what it was was a a paper that came together a weekly newspaper after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, there was really a lot of uh, need to get information out, and uh, a uh, another lady, Evelina Burnett, started the newspaper in uh, roughly late 2005 after Katrina all the way until uh, she owned it around 2010, and things have just been kind of circling in the direction. And uh, I bought the newspaper in 2017, and, uh, you know, I've changed it a little bit from uh, the previous uh, tabloid style to a broadsheet, a full newspaper, and uh, we're going hitting the ground running. And as far as it goes from sports coverage, you know, I started off, like I expressed to you earlier, Will, from – high school coverage to college coverage to now being very lucky to get to cover the Saints and the Pelicans. So let's talk about the Saints uh, while I have you here. So uh, the Saints signed Derek Carr, and I'll talk about that a little bit later uh, as well if we've got the time today. It's a busy day, but I love it, Hunter. I think that the franchise needs to show that it can be relevant and competitive without Sean Payton and Drew Brees, because as you know, and Saints fans unfortunately know, that it's not exactly a franchise that's filled with a rich history of winning. So when I saw people call for tanking, well, just tank, we'll get a quarterback. Look at the Jets right now. The the New York Jets have been bad for how long, and they're putting all their eggs in a 39-year-old basket with Aaron Rodgers. Tanking doesn't get you anything. And no, maybe Derek Carr can't win you a Super Bowl, but he can certainly win the division. He can host a playoff game. I don't see the downside in giving Derek Carr this contract and bringing him on. Do you? No. What I think is, and one of the main key factors in what you discussed with that Drew Brees, Sean Payton, behind the scene during that was Mickey Loomis. Mickey Loomis is the general manager, has been the general manager, has a great deal of experience. And I think whenever individuals, and I got asked a bunch of questions from people outside who said, what are we going to do when we're losing this and losing that? And I said, well, we just need to be able to, you know, see what Mickey has planned because Mickey has been a pretty successful GM and he pretty much put the balance together the right way. He cut 
he uh, did some restructuring of contracts with uh, Demario Davis, with Marcus uh, Davenport, and is probably going to do that with Michael Thomas. You know, let's wait to be seen, but enough space to be able to fill that gap for a quarterback. And it's and I'm not sure most of the audience remembers, but Drew Brees was the same way back in after he was in San Diego and after Katrina. He sort of came in, you know, he had been in the league not as long as Carr, but he'd been in the league a few years, and we had to restructure a few things to get him in, and, you know, all, all of a sudden we get to have a good team. We start positioning ourselves well, and we're in the playoff hunt every year. Hunter Dawkins joining us right now, a new contributor to Supertalk.fm on the sports side and also with the Gazebo Gazette. Hunter, speaking of Michael Thomas, there was this idea or narrative, or maybe it was just a true story, that Michael Thomas was frustrated, flustered, wanted to get out of New Orleans, all that good stuff. They signed Derek Carr. He, at least on social media, is really excited about it. And then reporting comes out that they're possibly working on a contract extension. Two questions. Do you think that's happening? And do you think that they should? Because part of me knows how good of a wide receiver he can be when healthy. But the when healthy thing's a big if with him lately. Yeah, I certainly agree with you from that point, the what if. But that, you know, when I saw being at the Atlanta game covering last year, the very first game of the year, when I saw this guy who hadn't played in about a year and a half on the field to come out and just second half, two or three catches right in the mix, looked like he hadn't lost a step. And I think that's something that not only the, the Saints fans, the, the media, the national coverage saw, that there's potential there. And I do personally think that that there is going to be some restructuring because I think that's what he needed. He needed a QB1 style you know, person. And I, I don't think I really thought that the trust that he had in Jameis or Andy just wasn't there. And now I think it is, and I think he's willing to come back. Is he's a pretty loyal guy from that standpoint? He's not a a related to an Antonio Brown or somebody that just wants to go wherever you know there's some money here or there. I think he really genuinely wants to be here. Well, that's uh, that's good to know because when healthy, he is a beast. Uh, so the team got a draft pick. Uh, luckily, got a draft pick. What should they do with it, in your opinion, at number 29? Well, the first thing that they should do, and they also have a very high second-round pick, so that's that's something that's got to be up in the air. You know, For instance, I personally believe that they should be able to hold out their second-round pick, which is like the 40th, I believe, that's right. for a hidden hooker or somebody like that for a, bad, a backup level to where – he can spend two or three years under car, and he has he has professed that he wanted to be here in New Orleans. But from that first round pick, it's more or less it always has to be in your first round pick. What is your biggest need? And there are two positions outside of a quarterback that we would need: a defensive tackle and a running back. And I think we really have to look into. Not only with the postseason play, the Senior Bowl, the Legacy Bowl, things as such, we need to really take a look into what's 
the best opportunity because in the running back scenario, we're probably not going to have Alvin Kamara for at least six games. Never, you never even know if he's going to be convicted with prison time. That's just an unsure situation. Yeah, what a, an interesting line that is because because you're right. I mean, they are. Uh, moving forward with that legal case uh, after the the fight or whatever you want to describe that as uh, last year played through the entire season under uncertainty, but now it seems like it's coming to a head. Um, Robinson from Texas might be available there at twenty nine. That'd be a good pickup. That'd be a great pick, and he he has been in the mix, and he is really Sarkeesian. He really fit that style of offense, and I think Pete Carmichael. The offensive coordinator for the Saints has a very similar style of play, at least from an offensive point of view. All right, Hunter, before I let you go, I've got to ask because of uh, personal allegiances. Uh, we don't do much NBA on this program. We, we do when the playoffs come around, but uh, I am an adopted Pelicans fan starting in 2014. Uh, the team has free-fallen, uh, a lot thanks to injuries, I suppose, but they got an important win over Dallas do you think they're about to turn a corner or at least go back to the team that played in the first half of the season? Well, one of the best things in me covering the Pelicans games and that I've seen is that, and to, to see as far as from a research point of view, that we have the third easiest schedule at the All-Star break. And that, to me, we have a lot of home games coming up. That's going to be a benefactor of how we finish. And if we can at least get to the play-in style, maybe 10, 9, 8, 7, we can get Zion back and we can be able to develop. Because one thing to, to realize, we've only had two games of the year where Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and C.J. McCollum have actually played together. And when they did, we won both of them. But we want to see that happen more often than than it has to this point. Hunter, we appreciate your time so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, my friend. Take care of yourself. That's Hunter Dawkins on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, a new contributor on the sports side to supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Speaking of the Saints, a Mississippi State tie to the Saints. Newsworthy today. I'll tell you what that is when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. in part by Jen Teal, G-E-N-T-E-A-L. Genteelapparel.com is the website. They've got everything. Will and I right now are wearing the pullovers. I've also got one of their uh, golf shirts underneath this pullover, rocking Genteel today. Check out their collegiate collection as well. Golf shirts, pullovers of your favorite team. And trust me, as it starts getting warmer 
and you've got that first month or so of college football season where it's just brutally hot, the the comfort in the genteel polos or golf shirts, whatever you want to describe them as, is unmatched. They are they feel like almost like you're not wearing anything at all when it's that hot, and they look great, they feel great. Again, genteel apparel. Dot com, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borkey's Will East. J.T. Gray teased the, the news a second ago. Uh, former Mississippi State safety has signed an extension with the aforementioned New Orleans Saints. Uh, $9.6 million, a three-year extension uh, for $9.6 million. $2.4 million fully guaranteed of that contract and incentives can get him up over uh, $11 million. That is a guy that doesn't honestly he doesn't play much in terms of safety like on the defense but he's one of those guys especially an undrafted free agent guy that is uh, reportedly an excellent locker room guy and is completely and totally bought in to contribute on special teams and if you do that you can have a long and happy career in the NFL and uh, look at him 11.1 million dollars is the the max money in the contract 9.6 if he just plays those 3 years and continues to contribute on special teams. That's that's sometimes it's all you have to do in the NFL. Just be a good soldier, put your head down, work your you know what off, and buy in on special teams. And and this is what happens. He never plays on the actual defense, but he's getting paid. It's good stuff. Yeah, really. Know good your stuff. role is. A famous wrestler once said. Yeah, some people forget that. Uh, <laughs> there, there is another story, by the way. I mentioned the NBA. We don't cover it much. Uh, Richard and I did talk about this a little bit last week. There's another John Morant story. Uh, John Morant uh, was involved back in September. So all of these stories are a little bit old. But back in September, another altercation, if you will. It's being called a clash in a high school gym in Germantown, Tennessee, again, just outside of uh, Memphis. Uh, the report from TMZ. And by the way, I actually know somebody that was there when this happened. So if you want to question the legitimacy of TMZ, well, I know somebody that was there. Uh, John Morant's sister, who attends Houston High School in Germantown, got into an argument with a girl in the stands during a volleyball game, and she called her brother. Morant allegedly showed up to the gym with both his parents, his daughter, and a, quote, group of adult men, per the police report. That is another police report involving John Morant. Witnesses say both Morant's sister and the girl had called each other a word that I cannot repeat on the radio. Police said they prevented uh, Morant's mother from going upstairs to confront the student, but a man in Morant's group walked past the police and towards the students. This man allegedly slapped a phone out of the hands of a student who had been attempting to take a picture of Morant. He said, quote, to the young girl, I don't care about none of that. I will beat y'all's. You can complete the sentence, according to witnesses. One witness said a man was about to pull a gun, though police said they observed no guns during the incident. Again, that that is not John Morant doing anything himself, but just putting himself in a remarkably stupid situation over and over and over again. If he plays this season, I'd be surprised, but man, it, it just goes back to the Brandon Miller thing we were talking about earlier. John Morant is soon to, or was soon to, Sign a contract worth about $200 million. $200 million. And he's flashing a pistol on Instagram in a strip club. He's getting in altercations at volleyball games. He's punching and uh, brandishing a weapon uh, at a 17-year-old. 
He's and his group uh, are getting in arguments with mall cops. His a member of his group is pointing a weapon at the traveling party from an opponent. A member of his group is walking on the court during a game and getting into an argument with an opposing player. If he doesn't get right and separate himself from bad people in his life quickly, he's not getting $200 million. He's talked to Ray Lewis. Apparently, <laughs> he needs to talk to Ray Lewis. Uh, ben I mean, I mean, Before you go. You're about to sign it. Wait till you sign the contract before you go crazy. Wait till you get drafted before you start messing around with. I don't. I don't understand uh, this. It's it, honestly, it's sad. It, it, it saddens me, man. That that you can't realize what you've got in front of you, and, and you've got to be walking around with pistols and getting fight, getting in fights at volleyball games. Ah, uh, man, he's a special player too. He's so much fun to watch, yeah. but. You may not get the chance, at least this season. Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports will join us next. He recently got kicked out of a coffee shop, so we'll talk about that. Another one. <laughs> he, did, he did a recruiting video with uh, with Lane Kiffin. We'll talk about that and more with, uh, with Ben Mintz when we come back. Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Willis with you on this Friday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Go back, though, to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ben Mintz joins us at Barstool Sports right now. Hey, Ben, real quick. I heard you got kicked out of a coffee shop in New Orleans. Is that true? Oh, that's a spoil. I mean, kicked out to stretch. What did you do? I did the dozen trivia, like, in a corner of it. I mean, I guess Frank the Tank was, like, yelling at the computer screen or something. I don't know. Um, but no, I mean they were just like, "Hey, can you go outside and finish this?" It wasn't like a big deal. So, so yeah, you got kicked out of a. You got kicked out I mean, of I got, I, you know, sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I got kicked out. I mean, yeah, yeah. But I give. I was kind of, you know, I go in there like every day, so I was hoping for forgiveness. For, for for a little bit of uh, courtesy, well, uh, I guess we can blame Frank for that. But we appreciate you uh, coming on with us, man. So you've been in uh, been in Mississippi this week. Uh, you told me you were playing poker, right? How'd that go? Yeah, so I, I ran around a good bit. Uh, it was actually funny, Borky. I bought a car last week, but the, and so I hadn't had a car for two and a half years because I sold it before I went to New York for Barstool. And so, you know, I finally was mobile again, so that was good. And, uh, yeah, I ran uh, ran to Oxford. Uh, got to go see – went to Ole Miss, Southern Miss Tuesday night, which was awesome. Love seeing the Rebels. Uh, went 11-5, to 5, man. This lineup is serious. And then uh, – you know, did some content, run around campus with Coach O and football team, went and played a little poker, and uh, now I actually uh, had to drive late last night, and I flew, I'm at a bachelor party in Tampa, Florida right now, so I'm on the Riverwalk in Tampa. So we've been all over this week, and I definitely did not, uh, wait. I just woke up from a nap and finally starting to feel <laughs> like a person because this week's been so nuts. Nice. Well, uh, two things I want to get to uh, for sure. One, you're doing a 10K. 
And there, yeah. there are some stakes on that 10K. Yeah, so, well, look, I mean, I can run, usually I can run like 11 or 12-minute miles kind of forever. Like, yeah, I would say forever, but, you know, I could jog, you know, I'm not fast, but I can, I've got good endurance. Well, I decided I wanted to run the Crescent City 10K in NOLA because it's Easter weekend, but I'm, I'm really involved with Hogs for the Cause, which is uh, a huge barbecue music fest that I'm really passionate about because it raises a lot of money for families fighting child cancer, and it's uh, coming up soon. It's the final four weekend, March 31st, first. Well, long and short of it, I was like, hey, you know, I'll do some public awareness. I'll run the 10K. Hopefully the people donate some money. Well, Big Cat puts me on the spot on the yak. He's like, well, what, what time do you think you can run this 10K at 6.2 miles? I'm like, I don't know, like 68, 69 minutes? He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, how about this? If you run under 60 minutes, I'll donate 10K to Hawks. And I was thinking in my head, that's like a 9.45-minute clip. I was like, well, it's going to be pushing it, but screw it. For the kids, I'll do it. <clears throat> now it's... I've got it built up now where it's like seven. Uh, shout out to Jay Cormie and the attorney in Oxford who gave me a thousand toward it. But uh, I've already got it up to like 17 or 18K now. But I mean, Borky, man, you know, I'm 39 years old and I'm not the smallest individual. 60 minutes is going to be no joke. But what happens if you don't up, get it? Well, so Big Cat and I's bet is I have to go all in blind in two World Series of Poker tournaments this summer. If I don't get it, I have to just go all in every hand. I was like, man. <laughs> So that that's kind of, he tried to make it the main event at first, and I was just like, heck no, man. I mean, we could do it, I guess, on the smaller ones, but I can't do that in the main. It's for $10,000. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but the main thing is, like, a lot of these money pledges are, like, not, hey, we're giving the money. It's, hey, you have to run under 60 minutes. So, like, what am I going to do not do this and, like, not help the kids? So uh, I've been training, you know, uh, this week. I've been running a good bit lately, but – now I'm trying to pick up the pace and just get used to that, like, 9.45, 10-minute mile pace. But, I mean, I ran a 5K yesterday in, like, right under 30 minutes. I mean, I'm right on the right. I think I'm on the right stretch. Nice. You know? I think, I think it, it, it's going to hurt, but it can be done. New Orleans, flat turf, by the way, part of the logic. You know, it's not North Mississippi Hill country. It's just a little easier on the yeah. guy. So, uh, I honestly... I, I want to see you fail only because I would love to see somebody go all in every hand in a professional poker tournament and see how that turns out. Yeah, I don't think it would turn out very well, <laughs> but but I mean it would be pretty funny. It'd test your luck, I guess. The other thing, so you filmed a recruiting video uh, with Ole Miss football this week. I, I got to know because people keep telling me that the Lane Kiffin on Twitter is not really the Lane Kiffin in real life, like in private settings. What is Lane Kiffin really like absent Twitter and on the sidelines throwing a clipboard? Like when it's just a one-on-one meeting, you're talking to him, what's he actually like? Yeah, this, I mean, honestly, I've met him several times, but that's, I mean, I've never gotten 15 minutes of time until this time. But, I mean, it was, you know, he was just kind of like very, I mean, we were kind of, I mean, you know, we were off the record on some stuff, so I mean, I'm not going to say everything. But uh, he was just, like, pretty laid back and just kind of talked to me like a normal human being, which was good. Um, but, you know, I kind of asked him about, like, him staying and, uh, you know, all the Auburn stuff. And, you know, he said he was happy to stay and excited about the future. And, you know, he, he, he talked a lot about how he really appreciated the Grove Collective and what they've done uh, just because now, you know, money-wise we can compete at the highest level. And I thought that was cool um, for him to acknowledge that. But he's – the thing with Lane, look, he's very aloof. 
And he's just not a guy you can just tell. I mean, he just doesn't, you know, he's like too famous for his own good. And so he doesn't, he's he, he's definitely a man of, like, he would prefer to just sit there on Twitter and not have to talk to people. <laughs> but, I mean, he was very, I'm not saying he wasn't nice to me. He was, but you can just kind of tell he's, he's, he's more of a man of few words, I would say. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of get that. Like, uh, in college, I was different, but now I would much rather on a Friday night, instead of, like, go to a bar and be around people, like, watch something on Netflix and scroll through Twitter and then go to bed. Uh, so I feel that energy. I really do. But we'll say shout out to Lane though. He, he did mention, uh, you know, he doesn't. He quit drinking, and he mentioned that to me, which I thought was cool. Um, Imagine that. So, so he stops drinking, and then weight just falls off of him. I mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, but I think I mean, you know, I think that I thought that was cool that he, uh, you know, mentioned that he used to drink and doesn't anymore. We didn't, we didn't like go in depth on it, but sure. Um, but I mean, I, you know, look, here's the thing, man. People evolve and change. I respect anybody that tries to improve themselves. No doubt. So the the video was cool. He got to strap on the uh, the real tree helmet and the powder blue and and pretend like you were a recruit for a day. Yeah, I didn't know any of that was coming. So like, so they 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 didn't tell you that we're going to record you in pads and a helmet. You just you showed up to your meeting and they were like, "Hey, we're doing this. Come over here." Oh no, the funny thing, the full video is coming out soon. Like, yeah, it's it. I just like walk up to the athletic, the football office. There's four cameras waiting on me, and it's like, welcome to your official visit. Like, what? (laughs) Like, what is going on? I mean, I got to be the only person that took like ten years to graduate from school and then gets recruited like a eighteen year old man. What's your NIL deal? What did they promise you? Yeah, no, I should. Well, my big thing at Blaine was like, well, I guess you're recruiting me now. You don't want me fired anymore. I um, forgot about that. I forgot he said you should be fired. Yeah, well, there was like a poll Dave Portnoy put out, like she parsed a little bit. Lane <laughs> said yes. So I was like, well, I guess uh, if you're recruiting me now, you better change your heart. So, uh, <laughs> nah, but it was uh, it was cool, man. It was like you know, I mean, it was. It was I gotta say, I mean, I, I, it was. It was not a lot of times the barstool thing. I never know what I'm gonna get into. But that was not something I ever expected to happen in this lifetime. So I enjoyed it. I got a thrill out of it. And, yeah, I got a lot of views on Twitter and stuff. And uh, the Barstool loved it. You know, it was a big deal up in the stool. And, uh, you know, as long as my thing is down here in the south, it's, uh, you know, as long as people are clicking like that, I'm, I'm going to be doing just fine. Yeah, so uh, last year you did a lot for college baseball, bringing it attention from a place like Barstool that college baseball just honestly just doesn't get. And uh, so what are your plans this year? Well, yeah, I'm going to be hitting some games. Uh, I've been putting out picks in the Barstool Sportsbook a lot. I've actually been real hot, too, so far uh, in the college baseball. Um, but you're going to be seeing, you know, a, a lot more videos, blogs, and all kinds of stuff. I know I'm going to go to Omaha again. Probably going to go to the SEC tournament again. Uh, but, you know, I've kind of done some so far. Uh, with March Madness and Massachusetts launching and all that, you know, it's kind of one of those things where uh, I think people are paying more attention to early season college baseball now, though, than they used to. You know, it kind of used to be a thing where, you know, everybody waited until the Final Four and the Masters, and then it's like week three or four of SEC, and then people are like into it the last seven or eight weeks of the season into the postseason. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm doing, you know, like I said, a lot of blogs, videos, gambling content, all that kind of stuff. Got less than a minute, Ben. What, what's your thoughts? You live in New Orleans now. You've been a Saints fan forever, but you're oh, back in New Orleans? Orleans? Dude, it's, uh, I, Borky, I'm happy. I knew moving back to New Orleans would be fun, but it's even greater than I thought. 
Uh, I love it. I, it's just, it's, it's like perfect. I don't even know how to describe it. I like the Derek Carr move. I think Joshua Daniels is a complete idiot. And so <laughs> I think, I think people like, you know, Carr got the Raiders the playoffs that Groot scandaled here two years ago. Look, I'm not saying he's an MVP level quarterback, but I think you can win with them, especially in a bad ass South. And, uh, I'm having a blast. And the New Orleans thing's just awesome, man. Just uh, around a lot of old friends. And, Good sense of community and music, food, pills, everything. This is great. Ben, thanks for your time on a a bachelor trip, man. I I can't imagine why you guys picked Tampa. Uh, Don't Google what it's famous for. Um, Yeah. We we appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon. That was Ben Mintz on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. A beard update, sort of, when we get back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford and Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah, that's us, is giving you a chance to win tickets. Just enter your name at one of our registration boxes located throughout the state. For example, you can register to win by going to the Atrium Mini Mall in Meridian, Be Quick in Brookhaven, or Cobalt's Boutique in Columbus, and many more. Go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. Supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen to find the full list of registration locations. Winners will get two sweet tickets. Not S-W-E-E-T, S-U-I-T-E. Well, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. To see Morgan Wallen at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on Sunday, April 23rd. It's all brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. I'm Michael Borky. He's Will East. Do you think ben- Mincy will be there? I-, I don't know if Morgan Wallen's his thing. He's more of like a panic. Yeah, he likes dad. panic. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I was talking to him on the phone about that before he came on. <laughs> uh, I would imagine, though, that that music is, if you've listened to Morgan Wallen, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll probably make a make an appearance. Wouldn't be surprised. That weekend's going to be chaos in that little town. I mean, I know they do football games where 64,000 people are in the stadium a few times a year, but it's... The concert paired with the LSU baseball series at the same time. How that little town is going to navigate that—that's that's above my pay grade. People get people get paid a lot more uh, to figure stuff like that out, I suppose, because I couldn't. We're taking the bus up there, nice. and <laughs> we're like, where we're going to put the thing? We don't know. In the median on Highway Six, uh, <laughs> I think I think that's probably where it's going to be. <laughs> Oh, man. So I I promised a beard update. Uh, It's a bad teaser because I don't necessarily have one. But let me explain what I mean by that. I have tried my hardest to be a newsbreaker today. I know this show is more about commentary and opinion. That's kind of what we do here. But at times we also break news. And I tried today. It is not without trying. I tried to get more than what you've seen elsewhere. Like ESPN reported Wednesday that they are getting close to a deal, closing in on a deal. He's the front runner, however they worded it. Peter Burns talked about it on the SEC Network. There's been some local people that have said, hey, look, you know, it's 
it's probably coming. They're they're getting close to the finish line. Whatever phrase they use, uh, you, you've seen some people. I saw it yesterday trying to um, trying to essentially guess to to break the news. What I have gathered so far is that it is not officially official. But as I understand it from talking to people today, they are past negotiating salary. That it's more about, you know, dotting T's, crossing I's, if you will. And my expectation is Chris Beard will be named as the next head coach for Ole Miss basketball, barring a material change. Barring a material change, which does happen. But I do expect it to happen at some point in the very near future. Will it happen today? I I wish it would happen before 6 o'clock today. So we could, you know, talk about it and, you know, clip that out and put it on social media. And, yeah, you know, it's going to happen at 6.01. But I, I do expect it to happen. I do expect it to happen soon, barring a material change. I wish I could get more. I tried to get more. I talked to people that I thought would know. I bothered a bunch of people today. And the best I could get was they expect it to happen. Some last-minute things are uh, getting worked out. But the expectation is he'll be named as the head coach at Ole Miss basketball very soon. Well, tell me this. I mean, a lot. So much of the focus of this Chris Beard deal with Ole Miss has been on could they, would they, should they, all this kind of stuff, PR, all the, all this stuff. If if you go beyond that and you say that well, the deal's almost done, we're almost there. What is Ole Miss getting? The on-court. One of the best basketball coaches in America. And tell me why. He, at multiple different stops, this is why his resume stands out above any other coach that they would have considered or could have considered in this cycle. Now, it's important, as Haydad has pointed out before, and we've talked about a lot, there's a reason why Ole Miss can hire this guy, because he got arrested a couple months ago. Like That has to be part of the story. But absent that, what you would get is a guy that is... Uh, been an elite recruiter at multiple stops, an elite uh, evaluator of talent and developer of talent at multiple stops, uh, took Texas Tech to a national championship. He is immediate upgrade in coach and process and recruiting and development. I don't know how much the arrest is going to impact his ability to recruit. From uh, reading a lot about what industry insiders think about this deal, probably not much. That's what they're getting. I would expect Ole Miss as early as next year to be playing meaningful basketball in February. Right away. He did it at Little Rock, he did it at Texas Tech, and he did it at Texas. The recruiting, the development, the coaching, it is all there. This is one of the best resumes in terms of coaches in college basketball. People think, like, you have to be conservative right of Ben Shapiro to think that he is outside the top ten. I mean, that good of a basketball coach. And I've got a headline in front of me that uh, somebody sent to me from, from Saturday down south. And the headline is, Desperate times call for desperate measures, and Ole Miss hiring Chris Beard would be a desperate measure. And, you know, I, I read through it, and it's it's a bit lukewarm. It's it's fine. It's not near as, as tough as what other people are going to write about Ole Miss when this, if this gets done. But my response would be, yeah, they're desperate. Yes. Oh, oh, you, you can call it spin, you can call it whatever you want. Ole Miss basketball is desperate to win. It is a program that right now in the moment is boring, is lifeless, has no energy, no juice, 
hasn't won, made the tournament in Kermit Davis's first year with an NBA player that he inherited since, I mean, we're, we're talking years ago, and then COVID happened, and then they played bad basketball after that. Fans have checked out. It has no history of success. The only NBA success they have right now is a guy that most average sports fans don't know. If you walked sports fan on the street, who's Terrence Davis? Would they be able to tell you? Probably not. No NBA presence. No history of winning. Right now, it's lifeless. You can call it desperate if you want, but... What this will do for basketball, now you can talk about the negative press and all that, but for basketball, will put Ole Miss in a position to do something that they don't do as a program. One Sweet 16, nine tournament appearances. That's all they've got in the entire history of the program. It doesn't win. They've got a beautiful building that for the last couple of years has sat empty, basically. Desperate's not the worst way to describe the situation that they're in. I don't blame Keith Carter for putting his hands up and saying, you know, we're going to have to wear it. It's going to be ugly for 48 hours, just really for 48 hours. But then when that ends, winning's going to happen. And his job as the AD is to field winners. And Ole Miss basketball hasn't done that. I don't blame him. It's a nuanced thing. We've talked about it many times. It's kind of rehashing, but... I don't like that this is what college sports is. I said earlier, I don't think Brandon Miller should be playing. I don't think Auburn should have hired Hugh Freeze. I don't think James Franklin should be coaching at Penn State, of all places, after what happened at Vanderbilt and then his involvement with what happened at Vanderbilt. He's at Penn State. Does anybody talk about Vanderbilt anymore? Does anybody talk about James Franklin and Vanderbilt anymore? Hugh Freeze hasn't coached a game yet at Auburn, and nobody talks about what AL.com reported when he was hired. Not just with Ole Miss and NCAA, but what happened at Ole Miss, what happened before he got to Ole Miss, and what happened with him sending emotionally charged messages to an alleged victim of sexual assault that was suing his employer. Nobody talks about that anymore. You can argue if that's that's right or wrong, but I'm telling you that that is how it's going to go. Ole Miss, when this gets announced, is going to have columns calling them desperate, calling them not having any morals, saying that it's gross, all that stuff. People are going to write it and they're going to talk about it. And then a day and a half later, the the tournament's going to start and people aren't going to talk about it anymore. Should that be how things are? No. Is that how things are? Yes. And so when all that settles, Ole Miss will have hired a basketball coach that can do things at that place that has never been done at that place before. It's that simple. Would they have gotten him without an arrest? No. Is that part of the story? Yes. Will that matter to the overwhelming majority of people? No. When they're playing meaningful basketball in February, will the pavilion be full of people? Yes. So, desperate? Sure. But it makes sense. (laughs) I understand it. I, I totally understand it. A bunch of your texts have come in on this. We'll get to those when we come back. That is one thing we haven't done, really, during this story is engaged you guys. What do you think about all this? When, if, if Ole Miss hires Chris Beard, if I'm right and it happens soon, what do you think about it? We'll get your messages next. 601-879-4395 is the ceasefire text line. What do you think? 
about Ole Miss hiring Chris Beard. We haven't done this yet, so we'll do that when we come back. Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. If you want Super Talk Mississippi news delivered right to your inbox, check out the Super Talk Mississippi news letter. Straight from your news team. A lot of news. That's okay. Supertalk.fm slash newsletter is where you go if you want updates to your email. Don't even have to go to a website. Just pull out your email. I know you check it every day, every 20 minutes, uh, like I do, and keep up to date. Supertalk.fm slash newsletter. I'm Michael Borky. He's Will East. Real quick, there's a blockbuster trade in the NFL. Yeah. We'll get to that in, this, in a little bit. I want to tell you what it is, though, and then we'll get to your text about Chris Beard. The Panthers are trading up to number one. They clearly have identified what quarterback they want to draft. As a Saints fan, I hope it is Will Levis. But we will see who it is. They're, <laughs> they're up to number one. The Bears traded the number one overall pick in exchange for this year's number nine that the Panthers previously had, the 61st overall pick this year, next year the 2024 first round pick, a 2025 second round pick, and DJ Moore. So a haul for the Bears for that number one pick. The Panthers are now on the clock, and yes, they will be drafting a quarterback. What does that mean for Matt Corral? Uh, we'll see. But when you trade up this many guys to number one overall, your expectation is that's your quarterback of the future. We'll see what happens with Matt Corral. On the text line, 601-879-4395, I asked you guys for your take on the possibility, the likelihood, whatever the case may be, of Chris Beard being the next head coach at Ole Miss. We got a few of those. And we'll start with Patrick and Tupelo, because I disagree with you the most. He said, in the South, nobody cares about basketball unless you live in the state of Kentucky. This is football country and partial baseball. Who cares about basketball? Now, to an extent, you're right. This is a football state. This is a baseball state. But ask Mississippi State fans right now if they don't care about basketball. Tell me on Sunday when they get their name called for the first time in a while that that isn't meaningful, that when they get to fill out their brackets and Mississippi State is on that bracket and they get to jokingly, because they're not winning a championship, just write them all the way up to the Final Four in a championship. Tell me the school, when that team plays, doesn't benefit greatly. Tell me that Starkville didn't benefit from having great crowds because the team was playing competitive basketball this season. Tell me it doesn't matter when you see all of that happen, when you feel all of that happen. Is it football? No. Does it matter? Yes. Yes, it does. There's, there is large parts of the state where basketball is the sport. I'm from one of them. Yeah. We didn't have a football team. So we grew up basketball fans. Okay, We didn't have a football team. Think about that. So the sport that we naturally gravitated to as high schoolers was basketball. Hmm. Northeast Mississippi is a big basketball area. Northeast, Southwest Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, another area. So a lot of these rural parts where you don't have enough kids in a high school to have a football team, and there's a lot of them, believe it or not. 
basketball is the number one sport. It does matter here. It uh, it does. Another message, good coach, questionable person from appearances. Another message, they better hope there aren't too many protests in faculty senate resolutions. Let me tell you something about faculty senate resolutions. They don't matter. I'm I'm sorry, they they don't. This I would be shocked if there are student protests. But if the faculty want to whine and complain, they they can. And until their classes by themselves make the school millions of dollars, nobody's going to really listen to them. That sounds callous. It's the truth. I mean, there have been professors at Ole Miss that have whined and complained about Lane Kiffin's salary. Well, until that individual's class can generate, you know, 64,000 people in his little classroom that pay thousands of dollars to to go to his classroom and then another uh, few million more watching via stream of some kind, he's just going to whine into the wind. That's that's what happens. The, you know, If they complain, nobody's going to listen. With all due respect to the faculty that work hard and mostly do good things, they don't matter when it comes to and the basketball coach. And that was part hire. of what led him being fired at Texas, right? There, there was some academic university issues, yeah. It, it sounds like athletic department leadership didn't want to cut ties as fast as they did, but they kind of felt the pressure. It's a nuanced thing. I mean, I think that Keith Carter at some point had to convince some people on the university side of things to get this done. It's not like he can make decisions unilaterally because it is an institution of higher learning after all. But if there's a faculty senate resolution that's not going to matter, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. But either way. CC in Senatobia says, since when has college sports had anything to do with morals? I, I said <laughs> I, I said this in an interview recently. Um, if you want to watch pure college sports, where, where money's not involved, where it's about integrity and honor and all that, check out a Furman game. Yeah. That, 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 that's... That's where college sports is is pure, is is at those levels where uh, the the conferences aren't signing billion-dollar television deals, where everything centers around winning and losing. You know, it's – I wish it were that way. I say this too much. I wish it, it was about more than winning because it should be. It's college sports. It's not professional sports, but college sports are professional sports. There's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake on an annual basis in college sports. Mark Richt would still have a job today if it was about more than winning. He won a lot. He was a good coach. But did he win enough? No. That's why he didn't have a job. That's how it's always been. If you want purity, Mississippi College down the road has a bunch of probably really good people that that work hard and play hard and and they play good football and they play good sports and there's not hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. So it's more pure. Coming from a restaurant owner in Starkville, basketball matters. There's 30 games. That's another good point. I would love to sit down with bar owners, restaurant owners and stuff and ask them, can you tell the difference when a basketball team is winning and losing? I mean, I guess we got our answer is, is yes. But to further illustrate the point of you can't punt basketball like some people want us to. 
I mean, we hear that all the time. We have this conversation a good bit. It's when the basketball teams are bad, we'll get people that'll text into the show and say, "Just give up. Who cares? Put all that money into football and into baseball." This is Mississippi State is showing you why you don't this year by making a run to the tournament, and Ole Miss is showing you that they don't think that they should by taking the PR hit to hire Chris Beard. And when college basketball is good and your team is in it, it's fun. Yeah, it is. I used the phrase intoxicating yesterday. That that a, a basketball run is intoxicating. Yeah. As a sports fan. But Patrick from Tupelo says, then two years later, everything goes back to normal. Nobody cares about basketball. That is your opinion, my friend. We appreciate you listening. We're glad you're here. I just disagree with you so, so strongly. We get another message. If they hire him, it will send the wrong message to kids and players that morals and ethics don't matter. It's wrong. Some things are more important than winning. Don't sell your soul. That is, that's fair. It's hard for me, though, to point at Ole Miss and say, you're wrong for doing this when Alabama's continuing to play Brandon Miller and Auburn hired Hugh Freeze and Bobby Petrino just got hired at Texas A&M and LSU got caught funneling money through a children's hospital and they're going to get completely, they're going to get away with that. It, nothing is going to happen to LSU. They're getting away with that. So when Ole Miss sees all of this is going on and they're beating us, we might as well do it too. In principle, that's not the best way to be, but I understand I, I, I have no good counter. I, I have no good counter argument to if Auburn can hire Hugh Freeze. Bruce Pearl had an assistant coach get arrested, go to prison. Nothing happened to him. If Texas A&M can have Petrino yeah. and then Durkin coaching their defense, if all this stuff can happen, I can't tell you you're wrong for engaging in that behavior as well because everybody else is doing it and they're benefiting from it. And you have to compete against these people. And winning is what matters. If it was just about being a good person, Kermit Davis wouldn't have been fired recently. Great guy. A lot of coaches. That's what it's it is. Their jobs. Players get second chances. Why shouldn't he? Roll, tide, roll. We appreciate you, Bama fan, listening. Basketball doesn't make money. That is objectively false. Very, very, very false. Absolutely. Like, you, you, you can't argue. Basketball is the second biggest moneymaker on even an SEC campus in the state of Mississippi. Because of TV money. Right? TV. T- TV is what drives that. If, it, if you took TV out... Which you can't because that's the biggest money maker. But if you if you took TV out, then basketball and baseball would be uh, we'd have a different conversation. But basketball is the second biggest money maker on on a campus for uh, for sure, even uh, around here. Dwayne says I sent a lot of money to state. Heck yeah, basketball matters. <laughs> Daniel says if basketball didn't matter at Ole Miss, they wouldn't have invested in the pavilion. Somebody says you're selling me on beard. That's not my intention. I'm more just at least I think I'm just. Speaking the truth here, but either way. Sign me up for Chris Beard Fan Club, another message says. A woman Ole Miss season ticket holder from Vardaman. If he is cleared, I don't see a problem hiring Beard. Well, the charges have already been dropped. So there's no more legal recourse that he is facing with this. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. 601-879-4395 is the ceasefire text line. I'm Michael Borky's Will East. We'll be right back in the Pearl River Resort studio. More Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. 
coming up in about 10 minutes. I'm going to subject myself to the same ridicule that uh, we gave Bruce Feldman yesterday. He he made Jimbo Fisher a top 20 coach in college football, okay? He had it coming. But uh, I sat down today and ranked my SEC coaches. And there's a method to my madness, and you guys are going to hate it, but that's okay. We're going to talk about it coming up for the college football fix here in about 12 minutes from right now. But right now I want to talk about this Panthers deal a little bit. And actually, in a larger context. So the Panthers traded up to draft a quarterback, right? At least that's the presumption. You don't give away a first-round pick, second-round pick, a first-round pick next year, second-round pick in 25, and DJ Moore, which is just tossed in there like he's not an objectively very good wide receiver, like and DJ Moore, like he's scrap metal or something. He's a great player. But uh, they're training up to get a quarterback. And this is yet another example for why I was so adamant about not tanking. Tanking in football gets you nothing. The most successful tanking story we have lately is the Dolphins. And what happened to the Dolphins? First round exit in the playoff. Yeah, Tua was hurt, but he was losing that game too. That's the success story was after years of suck, the Dolphins lost in the first round of the playoffs. That's a success story. So the Panthers were bad, fired their coach, traded all this away to draft a quarterback. May or may not be great. The odds are it's like 75% of first-round quarterbacks don't get a second contract with their team. Not only are they not great, they're not even good enough to get re-signed by their team. It's a horrible value and risk. I mean, look at the 49ers. They traded all all that capital to get a guy that they don't even play. That if Brock Purdy got out of his surgery healthy, then he's going to continue not playing. They, they did all this to draft a guy that they're not going to use. Tanking is a waste of time. Tanking would have been bad for the Saints. That's why I love the Derek Carr deal so much. And, and some of you have texted us in over the last couple of days and weeks when we were talking about this deal, saying that, ah, he sucks, he can't win a Super Bowl. Tank and go draft whoever. Draft Bryce Young. Draft C.J. Stroud. Sounds great in theory. But Justin Fields has shown flashes, I guess. But if you're a Bears fan, are you super in love with Justin Fields? You might be, but you're biased. The Jets have sucked for how long? What has that gotten them? So intentionally sucking, which is what people said the Saints should do, would have gotten them nowhere. So the Panthers are going to draft a quarterback. He may or may not work out. The Jets have already done that. Didn't work out with Zach Wilson. And now they're putting all of their eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket. So after years of getting early picks and tanking and being bad and getting picks and changing coaches and getting picks and picking quarterbacks, they are hoping that a 39-year-old ayahuasca addict is going to save their franchise. And who's the last great Jets quarterback that they've had. An aging Brett Favre, who was far past his prime. So, we're seeing now what people suggested that the Saints should do. We're seeing in other places why that's not a good strategy. So there you go. Panthers traded a bunch of stuff to get Number one overall pick. And again, I hope it's Will Levis, but we'll see. And there's not, you, know, you never say, you know, can't miss prospect, but Trevor Lawrence is probably what the last mm-hmm. 
yeah. you know, quarterback that just everyone there's very few flaws, right? And yeah. has obviously lived up and so far got the Jackson playoffs, right? Won a game. Yeah. Uh there's not that this year, right? I don't think so. I mean I love Bryce Young. I, I love Bryce Young. He's five foot ten, 190 pounds. Ignore what he measured at the combine. He doesn't weigh that much naturally. He's small. Just dealt with a shoulder injury this past season. I love him. I think he's got a ton of tools. I would draft him over Levis for sure. I would draft him over Richardson even. But you don't know. And played on the best team. Played on the best team with the best players. C.J. Stroud disappeared a lot. Now, he not torched the Georgia defense, but he looked really good in the biggest game. But he's not exactly consistent. Will Levis lost to Vanderbilt this year. Anthony Richardson lost to Vanderbilt this year. If Anthony Richardson's this six foot four, two hundred and forty pound speed demon with this huge arm and this can't miss prospect, why does he only complete half his passes? And why did his team lose to bad teams? There's not a can't miss. It's all risk. You know what Derek Carr is, though. You know what Jimmy G is. Are they great? No. But are they bad? No. You know who's bad? Zach Wilson. He's bad. There's more Zach Wilsons than there are Derek Carrs. Don't tank. Glad the Panthers did. College football fix when we come back. My SEC coaches ranked 1 through 13 when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. make fun of me, okay? This is going to be fun. I spent too much time on this, and we're going to talk about it. My SEC coaches ranked. I'm Michael Borkey's Will East. It is the 5 o'clock hour of this Friday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad that you guys are with us. Text me your responses, your answers, your criticisms on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Let's get into it. In honor of me making fun of Bruce Feldman yesterday, I want you guys to make fun of me today. My SEC coaches ranked from top to bottom for the college football fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. I know it's a busy sports weekend. you got baseball going on. There's conference championship basketball going on selection Sunday for both the men and women is this Sunday but when you slip out of the house it's going to be a pretty weekend kind of cold for this time of year but a beautiful weekend you want to test drive an F-150 you'll find out why it's been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades that's how long Richard and Haydad have been around Richard drives one by the way he loves it it's a great truck 
you should test drive one and you'll want one yourself at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Okay, so the Athletic posted their college football coach rankings. They did everybody. I'm going to do the SEC. My SEC football coach is ranked 1 through 13. I'll tell you why just 13 here in a little bit. My number one is Kirby Smart. You could go the legacy play if you want, a totality of career if you'd like. I think right now, if I was starting a program today, who is the number one coach in the SEC today? It is very obviously Kirby Smart, winner of the last two national championships, and did him with a walk-on quarterback. I know recruiting and players and all that, but that's part of the deal. College football coaching is about player acquisition. He's had the best roster so is this, is this resume-based? Is this who who I think the best coach is right If you were starting now. a team. If I was starting a program today. And you could hire anyone. Here's who I would start it with. All right. Kirby Smart, number one. Nick Saban, uh, number two. Now, I know he's getting up there in age, and I know that he complains a lot, but the results speak for themselves. He has got a process. His connections and, and hiring are, are great. Could he do what he's doing at Alabama everywhere? Maybe not, but I would take my chances. Nick Saban is still, uh, he's the greatest college football coach to ever live, and he's still got his fastball. Their bad season was 11 wins. That was his bad season. That was his down year. And oh, by the way, he signed the number one recruiting class in college football. He still got it. Number three, Brian Kelly. You can't ignore winning the SEC West in year one. I know he's at LSU. You can't ignore that. He did really good things at Notre Dame. I have argued on this show in the past. I think he's a little overrated. I don't think he's, you know, some people call him a top five coach in college football. I don't agree with that because when his Notre Dame teams would get to the playoff, they would get smoked. I know that there are roster building limitations there. I understand that. But he won the West in year one. However, he won the West in a season in which he lost to Florida State and Texas A&M. I like Brian Kelly. The results speak for themselves. He won the West in year one. It's hard to ignore. He's been at this level for a long, long time. Here's where some of you guys, anyway, about half of you, are going to start getting mad at me. Lane Kiffin, I think, is number four. And yes, I know November was a disaster. There's no denying that. But you also have to look at look at what he's done in the context of where he's done it. As you guys know, I've said this stat many times on this show. I'll say it again because... I am, uh, I was about to say I'm a broken clock. I'm not a broken clock. I'm a broken record. Only two programs have won more more games than Ole Miss in the last two years, and it's Alabama and Georgia. Lane Kiffin, in the last six years, three of them at FAU, three of them at Ole Miss, has won more than ten games, or ten games or more, three times. He won two conference championships at FAU, went to Ole Miss, took them to the Outback Bowl, took them to the Sugar Bowl in year two, and everybody's mad about them winning eight games. The coaching ability with Lane Kiffin is undeniable. If you are denying it, it's because you are blinding yourself by other reasons besides the results on the field. He is an objectively great football coach. The last six years have been at two traditionally very difficult jobs. He's got three 10-win seasons in six years at Florida Atlantic and Ole Miss. You can't deny that. Number five is Josh Heupel. Tennessee fans would hate where I put him But I really like the trajectory he's taken Tennessee on. But it's only been one year for him there. Year one didn't go great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. 
He loses Hendon Hooker. What's that going to look like? He started Joe Milton over Hendon Hooker when he first got there, by the way. Uh, so that's a, a mark in the negative column. And his last year at Florida, uh, or excuse me, at Central Florida, they only won six games. I like him. I like the trajectory. I think he's going to win a lot at Tennessee. I'd like to see it happen one more time before I said that he was better than Lane Kiffin. Number six, Mark Stoops. I think you cannot deny the consistency. Has it been a little underwhelming at times, including this past season? Yeah, sure. But uh, his record at a non-traditional program um, is consistent. He's brought them to high-level wins. He's brought them to relevancy. He's recruiting well. He's portaling well. I think number six is a perfect spot for Mark Stoops and the job that he's done at Kentucky. Number seven, Billy Napier. I don't love it because apparently a top 10 pick at quarterback didn't get any better under him. In fact, started playing worse as the season went on. This is a weird year for for Billy Napier, or at least it was a, a weird year. But I still think really highly of him. I think really highly of the job that he did at Louisiana. He was incredibly consistent. And I think he's going to win at Florida. But until he does it, I'm going to keep him down there around number seven. Number eight, I have Shane Beamer. He's a good motivator. They won eight games, beat Clemson, beat Tennessee, but they also lost to Missouri. And, and I'm not. I'm sold on the person. I'm not sold on the head coach just yet. I think there's a lot of good, good juju, good rah rah, good motivator. But until he can consistently win, I'm going to wait and see and have him around number eight. Some of you aren't going to like this either. Have Hugh Freeze at nine. From pure coaching ability, he's better than that. From pure coaching ability, he's better than Shane Beamer from what we've seen. He's better than Billy Napier. He's better than Mark Stoops. But just pure coaching football is not the only thing that factors in to running a program in the SEC. I can't get out of my head the disaster that happened at Ole Miss. And if you look at really look into his record at Liberty... What as good as you think it is? He's a good football coach, maybe a great football coach. I don't know if he can sustain a program long enough to prove it. Number nine, that's low, and you guys will disagree, but I can't ignore the destruction that happened. And again, I don't think the record at Liberty stands up as good as people think it does. Number 10, giving a shout-out to Clark Lee. I think the job he did this last year at Vanderbilt's an exceptional one. I'm a big fan of his. His records are bad, but that's because of where he is. I think that Clark Lee, if he wasn't at Vanderbilt, would be thought of highly and would be winning games more than he has in his early Vanderbilt career. I think he's great. Sam Pittman's in a do-or-die year, I think, at Arkansas. Uh, Things have gotten weird there the last couple of years, I think, with players hitting the transfer portal. It's... It's weird at Arkansas right now. They should be better than they are. His year one was a great story, but after that, it's kind of just been underwhelming. We'll see if that turns into something else. Jimbo Fisher at number 12. Yes, he has a national championship, but he has more advantages than anybody else in the SEC, and he just went 5-7 and seven with losses to, or a loss to Appalachian State. He also lost at home to... No, they beat Miami. Good for them. Lost to Appalachian State has severely underachieved at Texas A&M. Considering the resources, I think his offensive system is dated. I think his methods are dated. I think he doesn't have control of his program. He can recruit all day. And then what happens? 
And number 13, I have Eli Drinkwitz. He's been to bowl games. Uh, totally uninteresting. And I did not rank Zach Arnett because I have never seen him head coach a game before when it was his program. And I don't think it's fair to rank him anywhere when he hasn't been the official head coach of his program and coached a single game yet. The bowl game, that was still Mike Leach's program and Mike Leach's team. That was just about sustaining. Now it's his, and I don't know what that looks like yet. So there you go. Flame away. And we'll get to those when we come back. Because that took a long time. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. Where would I have put Leach? That's a great question. Um, no worse than six. No worse than six. Just sixty second birthday yesterday, by the way. May the pirate rest in peace. We'll get to your messages and to Food Friday when we come back. Mississippi continues. Michael Borky and Willie's with you. It's Sports Talk Mississippi on a Friday. We'll get to a Food Friday here in a little bit, but a couple of your messages before we do. Burton Houston says Kiffin is a great coach, but he has yet to have sustained success anywhere. That's the only reason I would put Stoops ahead of him, but Kiffin is better in most other aspects. I do agree. Now, this season and how he handles this season is going to tell you a lot about Lane Kiffin. Because as another uh, texter mentions, Lane runs a great program, but his coaching the last half of the season was pretty bad. You can't ignore November. Like, two things can be true at once. He had a bad season for Ole Miss fans, and he won eight games. How often has an eight-win season for Ole Miss been, oh my gosh, he's got a winning SEC record since he's been at Ole Miss. How many coaches can say that at that school? Again, only two coaches in the SEC there are only two programs in the SEC the last two years have won more games than Ole Miss. But you can't ignore what just happened in November. It was a disaster. It was a disaster from a public relations perspective, and despite the few hangers-on that think that that was a media creation, it was not. There, there were quotes from uh, Ole Miss players at the Combine that tell you that they didn't know. They were just as confused as a lot of people were. It was handled terribly. And the team in Fayetteville looked unprepared. They lost to a Mississippi State team that you thought they were better than at home in the Egg Bowl. That isn't good. And then the bowl game was reckless with the decisions that were made there. You can't ignore that. That's got to be part of the story. But three double-digit win seasons in six years at Florida Atlantic and Ole Miss is also something that you can't ignore. How many coaches could do that? I don't know if the answer is many. There are some. 
But I don't know how, how many coaches could have gone to Florida Atlantic and won the Conference USA twice in three years with an 11-10 and a 10 win season. Just like that. I don't know how many. I don't know how many coaches could go to Ole Miss and by year two are winning 10 games and playing in the Sugar Bowl. And if Matt Corral doesn't get hurt, they win that game that night. If, I know, if, if, if. But still. That's why I ranked him as high as I did. He was at what number? I had him at four. Lane Kiffin shouldn't even be in the top 25. There are 14 coaches in the SEC. So, unless you're... That's pretty low. (laughs) Pretty low. (laughs) CC says, when Saban retires, Alabama will do anything they have to to get Kirby smart. Here's the thing, CC. They can try. They won't succeed. Make him the mayor of Tuscaloosa and buy him his own private island like Hawaii. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, no, I am so curious as to where they would go after Saban, because I don't think Dabo would take it. I don't think Kirby would take it. Kirby's got a better job. There's your take of the day. Kirby Smart's got a better job than Alabama right now. I don't know how many people would disagree with that. But I think he does. More in-state talent, doesn't share it with an SEC school, more NIL money. I mean, if, if anything, they are equal at worst. And you don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. Yeah, so who's going to take that? A lot of people thought it would be Cristobal. Are you confident that Cristobal could go win at Alabama with how year one at Miami looked? I'm not. He's got time, but still, that was awful last year. Turned over both of his coordinators after one year. It doesn't look good. I mean, maybe DeBoer at Washington. But can he come to the SEC and win? He's only been a head coach for two years. Who would that be? And before you ask, no, it wouldn't be Lane Kiffin either. Those people would could not stand how he quote unquote acts. That's why Luke Fickle. Yeah, Luke Fickle. That might ooh, that's a good one. I think he's gonna win big at Wisconsin, but that's a good one. That's a really good one. Let him go to the Rose Bowl a couple of times, win 10, 11, 12 games. Oh, he would kill it there. Would he take that though? That's the thing, to your point, would he take that? I mean, there are some coaches who would love the challenge, I think. Yeah. And obviously the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, the, the $100 million contract that they would offer, whoever it is, would, would feel pretty yeah. good, I imagine. Yeah. And plus you would be inheriting a well-oiled machine. Well-oiled machine and one of the best rosters in America, just, just by showing Right out up. of the gate. So. I mean, how many times do you see a, a legend retire, another person comes in, that first year's really good, and that second year yeah, falls, falls off? off. Hmm. We owe you a Food Friday. Actually, six minutes ago I owed you a Food Friday, but I wanted to get to some of your messages, so please forgive me, our good friends at Polk. Some of the most fun we have on this show is talking about our obsession with great barbecue and cooking out every Friday at 520 or 526. We'll talk about just that. Food Friday is brought to you by our good friends at Polk's Meat. Each week we'll talk about our favorite ways to grill their delicious Polk's original. Their Polk's Cajun, which goes great in jambalaya or gumbo. I made a jambalaya a couple weeks ago. That is the perfect sausage pairing. I've tried others. It's not the same. Or their garlic and green onion sausages, as well as our other barbecue favorites. No buts about it. Folks, picky people Pick Polks. Text us what you're cooking this weekend on the text line, 
4395. Do you have any big Richard told me earlier by the way that he would be mad if you went on this show today on a food Friday and did not have something Greek lined up. That's Richard's words not mine. I think I think I've got some friends of mine coming in from out of town and I, I we're going to a Greek restaurant. I don't cook. Uh my wife does cook and Greek food is very let me put it this. Um, there's not a lot of people that just, you know, they think when you when you think Italian food, you think pasta and you think all this stuff. Greek food's a little bit more nuanced than that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so we would rather take them to a restaurant where it can be cooked properly by some people from Greece uh, versus us cook it and or my wife cook it and screw it up. So that's kind of my, my caveat on that. Uh, if you've never had real Greek food before, it is so different from Italian. A lot of people get Italian food and Greek food. They think it's almost the same thing. It is completely different, and it's a completely different taste. Have you ever had Greek, anything Greek? Oh, yeah, Greek but probably not, like, legit, mostly, you the, know. And the legit stuff tastes different than the Americanized stuff. I mean, they may have some feta there, but, I mean, it's a lot of... It's a lot of weird, different flavors. Dill, and uh, if you've never had tzatziki sauce, like real homemade tzatziki sauce, uh, I'm not a big salad eater, but even I could eat their salads. Um, a lot of olives, obviously. And as far as meat is concerned, stuff on the skewer, uh, Greek meatballs, uh, just my mouth is watering just thinking about it. But uh, it's 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 something that, it's easy to screw up, I think. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I went to the store recently. I didn't know that, like, Kroger, for example, there's a free plug for a grocery store, like they need it. Um, and they they sell pizza dough. Not like the pre-made crust. I didn't know that until recently. So I'm going to make a pizza tonight because I'm lazy and I... I'd, so how, how are you going to make it? Pre-bought dough. It's so it's so simple. Pre-bought dough and, and roll it out as thin as humanly possible. I love thin crust pizza. Not because like I'm trying to wash my figure. I eat like crap. It's I just like the the thinner pizza for whatever reason. So I'm gonna roll it as thin as humanly possible. We have a huge yeah. pizza stone. It's like it's like 24 inches. I mean, a huge pizza stone. So I can make it as thin as possible. And I'll do like uh, what is it? A Napoleon style, but I'll add pepperoni so it's not Napoleon anymore. But uh, pre-made sauce because I don't, you know, I'm not a great cook either. But, yeah, I'll do um, pre-made sauce in big chunks of uh, mozzarella, and yeah. then I'm putting pepperonis on it and then and then basil on top to finish. Yeah. What's the best pizza you've ever had? Best pizza I've ever had. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I had a goat pizza one time. It's goat had goat meat on it. Where? In Greece. Oh. Yeah. Delicious. Really? Yeah. I even met the person who had the goat. That's how old school it is. Right, so are, are they like? So when I went to Jamaica, our uh, one of the bartenders, I, I I had had a few, and I asked him the dumbest, most American question on earth. I said, "Like, is Bob Marley popular here?" <laughs> anyway, so he laughed, and we made friends. And he said that their tradition there was when he was a kid, they would get one goat, and it was his responsibility to raise the goat. And then they would kill it and eat it on Thanksgiving, or excuse me, on Christmas. And yeah. then he would get another goat, 
and he would like grow attached to this goat and raise it and feed it, and then they would kill it on Christmas. So is it like that or no? It's it's more like a farm ranch, whatever okay. you want to call yeah. it. But yeah, I met the lady. She was a, a German Greek lady huh. who kept goats, and we went and we drove a, a four wheeler over to their little goat farm, and sure enough, they had about forty fifty goats out there, and that's they How just that? roam around. A goat pizza. That's awesome. Send it in. 601-879-4395. What are you cooking this weekend? we got to talk about baseball as well. There's baseball games happening. We'll talk about those as well. When we come back, it's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad you're with us on this Friday afternoon. I'm Michael Borky. He's Will East. Richard's off for the next few days. Hey, that just off today. He'll be back with us on Monday to recap Selection Sunday, by the way, where we expect to hear Mississippi State's name called. I expect Ole Miss, I, at least I think it's going to happen, I expect Ole Miss to name a new basketball coach. We'll talk about that on Monday. And oh, by the way, a bunch of baseball games. Uh, so he'll be back then. Richard will be back uh, this time next week, taking a little, uh, little time off, well-deserved time off. To the text line, though. I had to look this up, Dwayne, because I thought you were trying to trick me into saying something that uh, I, I shouldn't say on the radio. He said, a boatload of yabbies and all the fixins, mushroom, corn, potatoes, and, of course, polk sausage in the pot. I had no idea what you were talking What's about. What's a yabby? Crawfish. I Googled it. I had, I've, I've never, never heard, heard that, that before. And, and Dwayne lives in, in our backyard here, right, outside of the capital city. And I had never, I, I Googled it because I was like, this guy's trying to get me because people try to get us. And sometimes successfully. <laughs> I had no idea, but that sounds good, Dwayne. Appreciate you, man. We get uh, Coletta's Pizza in Parkway, Memphis, by the way, from Jim and Hernando. That's uh, his favorite pizza he's ever had. Bill and Starkville making some grilled jalapeno poppers, chicken tenderloin. Vidalia onion wrapped with bacon, skewers, boneless chicken thighs, brushed with Korean barbecue sauce. Why, by the way... Are chicken breasts like the more popular cut? The thighs are the best part of the chicken. Always. Yeah. More tender, more flavorful. Anyway. Uh, Looks good, though, Bill. Enjoy your baseball tonight, my friend. At least I think that's what you're doing with all that. Get a boiled crawfish, smoked pork butt, and wings on the green eggs. Sounds awesome. Sounds uh, really, really good. So appreciate you guys texting those in. Again, Food Friday presented by Polk's. Polk'sMeat.com. Baseball this weekend. So... I've talked about this before, and I think it bears repeating. Because I've seen people say Mississippi State just needs to win three games this weekend. They got the win in the midweek. They run-ruled in the midweek. That was a good start. But just get three wins and you'll be fine. Just win three games. And I understand that sentiment. I disagree with it, though, to some degree. And here's what I mean. Like I said before the season began, I'll say it again here now. Look is important for Mississippi State this weekend. 
Because this isn't a particularly good team you're seeing with Lipscomb coming into town. I know they gave Alabama fits, sure, whatever. But it's not a good baseball team. They're, after looking at it, there's probably not a guy that would play in the field for Lipscomb that would get any meaningful playing time at Mississippi State. You should be dramatically better than them. So look is important. Because it's not panic time yet. I know they have a loss to VMI and Louisiana Monroe, and they did win the series against Arizona State, but Arizona State turned around the next week and got swept. That apparently is not a particularly good Arizona State team. They got beat up by Ohio State. They got beat up by Oklahoma. It's not that they're losing these games. It's how they look when they're losing these games. They're losing because they walk too many guys, way too many guys. They're losing because they have the worst fielding percentage in the SEC by a very significant margin. They're losing because their starting catcher, who's not starting today, it's Highfield, by the way, the freshman, gave up 20 stolen bases. And the freshman that's starting tonight's given up six on his own. That's the important thing this weekend. It's not just for state winning games. It's looking better. It's not giving up free bases. It's not giving up a bunch of walks. It's not committing a bunch of errors. They have to look better. Because it's not, again, it's not panic time yet. But you are going to finish last in the SEC if you continue playing like this. Again, it's going to happen again. And if last year went differently, I wouldn't have this kind of tone with talking about Mississippi State, but fresh off of finishing dead last in the SEC, you have looked like they've looked like garbage. Let's call it. What it is, they've looked like garbage. Terrible. And if that doesn't change quickly, even Kentucky next weekend is going to embarrass you. They are. Everybody in the SEC is going to embarrass you when you field and pitch and give up free bases the way they have. And that's got to start this weekend. Has to. Or else we're going to have a very uncomfortable season just like last year. So look is important this weekend for Mississippi State. You gotta play clean for three games. Throw strikes. Don't walk people. Don't give up stolen bases. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Skip and Pearl on the text line says that's why thighs are usually used for competition. Moist, uniform shape, and hard to overcook. If you overcook thighs, you probably fell asleep. Fair <laughs> enough. On the flip side for Ole Miss, uh, I looked into Purdue. Purdue has played Three four-game series. Um, they they split one and won three games to one the other two, but the competition level is honestly quite bad. They're throwing a pretty good uh, righty tonight who's got pretty good stuff, but so far this year's kind of gotten shelled a little bit. This is not going to be a good gauge uh, for Ole Miss this weekend, uh, honestly. The, the goal, if you will, for Ole Miss baseball this weekend is to continue to establish bullpen arms because... Hunter Elliott's still going to be out for a month, at least. And you don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back anyway, right? I've talked to too many people, and we've heard from too many people. Well, just survive until Elliott comes back, and boom, you're you're off and running. It's like you hope and you think that he's going to be back and in, in as effective, but he's got an elbow injury. Sometimes you've seen guys that, don't get the surgery for whatever reason that come back and they're not as sharp or they don't trust things as much because they know that something's wrong in there. He he may have a mental hang-up. We just don't know. We don't know what he's going to look like. So counting on him to come back and, and be the same guy and be great, I, I think is um, 
looking at it glass half full instead of uh, half empty or, or whatever the truth is. So who is going to step up for Ole Miss on the mound? Because you got two good starts from your, your Saturday and Sunday pitcher last weekend, but still not good enough if you're going to truly win a bunch of games in the SEC, right? So is Sonye going to be able to go deep into games? Is, is he going to keep guys off the base paths by, by walking people? Is he going to be able to extend outings a little bit because you're still really thin in the bullpen? I don't know if we're going to have that answer until next weekend, though. Things get real with Vanderbilt next weekend. Purdue's not going to test them in a way that will tell us enough about this team to make a sweeping judgment one way or another. You think offensively, I mean, Kendall on the show earlier this week said it's the best, one of the best offenses in America. And you know they've looked like it. But they've looked like it in part because of competition level. Luckily, you've seen guys like McCants and, and Calvin Harris and Chatagnier and, and Alderman, although he you know wasn't an everyday guy. But you've seen these guys produce at the highest level before. But what about Groff? What will he be like when the competition increases? He had 400 last year, but it was at Tulane. It's a little bit different when you're seeing the arms that he's going to see every week. And what about Calarco? How sustainable is their success when things get real. We won't find out until next weekend. They look the part, though, but in a weird way, the jury's still out on a, the reigning national champion who returned a bunch of guys in the lineup. Kind of sounds stupid to say, but I think that's the reality uh, that we're facing with Ole Miss. So Purdue's not going to test them the way you, that Vanderbilt will next weekend, despite the color schemes being the same. <laughs> How big is that Vandy series? <sighs> Man. Uh, Ole Miss and State, it's funny, have like the opposite schedules. Like Ole Miss, they start off with Vanderbilt and Florida, right? Mississippi State's Kentucky. Like it's State has an easy start to conference play. Ole Miss has a difficult start to conference play, and then they flip flop. State's last half of the season is brutal. Ole Miss's last last half gets really easy, but yeah, that Vanderbilt series on the road too. Although it's not like a hostile environment, but still just away from home, uh, and you're. You've got a freshman starting on Saturdays and a JUCO guy, not a JUCO guy, Division II guy starting on Sundays. That's when we'll know what they really have on the mound is next weekend. It's just it's wishy-washy until now. Brad in Burnsville says Ole Miss needs to stop walking and hit by pitches so many as well, but it's hard to nitpick. It is hard to nitpick, and I feel like I'm doing that right now. I mean, they've been they've been dominant. The offense has been great. Uh, Doherty was really, really good against Maryland uh, the other, uh, the, I say the other night, um, last weekend. Four players hitting over 400 is insane no matter the competition. You're exactly right. I mean, I agree with Kendall. I do think it is one of the best offenses in America. We'll know how great it is, though, when the competition picks up a little bit. I guess what I'm trying to do is caution myself from talking about that this is an, an Omaha team again, like doing that without knowing for sure. I'm kind of downplaying, and I shouldn't, how good they've been. Coming off of a national championship and losing what they lost and just immediately being this good is not something I should downplay, and here I am doing it. But you won't know until after next weekend. And that's fair. I mean, It's non-conference baseball. You don't get tested all that often. But those three wins against Maryland look really, really good, and they will by the end of the season. 
Final thoughts with you. It's been a fast show. We appreciate you being with us when we come back. 601-879-4395 is the C Spire text line. Get them in because we are almost done. One more segment with you when we come back. the sports this is sports talk mississippi sounds good on super talk mississippi michael working will east with you one more time on this Friday afternoon, it is great to be with you. We appreciate you guys hanging out today and being part of the show. No news on Chris Beard yet. Again, I, I can't commit to anything because I didn't get anything uh, ironclad, but I do expect. I expect, with the possibility of things changing, I expect us by this time on Monday to be able to talk about Ole Miss's new basketball coach, Chris Beard. That is my expectation. So we'll see. We also have Selection Sunday for both the men and women. We should have three teams to talk about. Mississippi State men and both the Ole Miss and Mississippi State women, I think, are all going to make it. I know the Ole Miss women will. They are guaranteed. And you can be very comfortable if you're a state men's basketball fan. I, I think it's a little more complicated for the women, but I think they're supposed to make it as well. So, heavy show. And also baseball. So a lot there. It is a lot. And I think maybe, do you think maybe the timing of some of this Chris Beard stuff has to do with the Ole Miss women making hmm. the NCAA tournament? That, maybe a, not wanting to step on any toes? Or, that's a good question. That wouldn't surprise me. You, you don't want to announce the Chris Beard hire or have the press conference on the same day the women are selected for the tournament. You don't want to do that. Yeah. I would so, so. so maybe that that's a hang-up. I, I don't know. I had somebody text me and ask, like, what are they waiting for? I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds like they are far past. One of the negative columns I read earlier mentioned that they think that it's possible that the ESPN report on Wednesday was a trial balloon to see what public response would be, and if it was favorable, then they would hire him. No. That that they they were much further down the road than doing the trial balloons during the SEC tournament. No, they they're much further down the road than that. So, I don't know what the holdup is, but the expectation is they're going to hire him. So uh, we'll see. We've talked. What's so funny is after they hire him. There will be nothing more to say because we have talked about as if they're going to hire him for, <laughs> for days now. Anyway, 601-879-4395 is the text line again. Dwayne says, good job, Borky and Will. Your check's in the mail, Dwayne. Appreciate you. <laughs> uh, 
thank you, Tim, for listening and being a part. Brad and Burnsville says uh, good job to both of us. I'm just going to read the positive messages from here on out. Yeah, don't read those negative ones. Though. No, never. Uh, maybe they'll announce Beard tomorrow and let him throw out the first pitch. I don't think that they're going to do that. I don't think it would be that celebratory. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I, I might be. But but again, I think we talked about this earlier. May not have, but I have so many people ask me, well, what should Ole Miss's PR play be? What, what should it be? What should they do? What should they do to lessen the impact? The NCAA tournament is this week. Just wear it. Just wear it. You, you don't have to, like, launch some campaign against anybody that writes stories about you because, if we're being honest, you're hiring Chris Beard knowing why you're able to because he's going to win basketball games. They, they did a thorough vetting. They've got the receipts on that. They're going to be able to point to a process, have your press conference, let Pat Forty write what he does, and in two days nobody's going to care anymore. And just let that be that. That's all you have to do. People are kind of overthinking the public relations strategy. The NCAA tournament's this week. You don't have to time anything up. It's going to take care of itself. It always takes care of itself, but it's going to take care of itself. You've got a built-in distraction. So so just do it whenever you're done, whenever it's official, just do it, and, and it'll move quickly. Do you think some members of the national media will make the trip? I think so. But what... Because the timing of it is very interesting because of the NCAA tournament. If if it's announced on, let's say, tomorrow or Monday, and you have, let's say, you have the press conference on Monday in a hypothetical situation, you do have some time between the between that happening in the NCAA tournament. So there, these national media people who are going to be the ones that write these scathing articles would be available. So yeah. you're Pat Forty. Well, in I go back to the Hugh Freeze press conference at Auburn. So Hugh Freeze gets hired at Auburn. AL.com reports of uh, reports on things that happened in the past, both when he was at Liberty and then long before he went to Ole Miss. Bad things. Things that would be disqualifying. And he was not asked about it in the press conference. That is an SEC football Yeah, when coach. they get in that press conference, man. They just tighten up, and they can't do it. I wouldn't be surprised if something similar happens with that keyboard warriors yeah man thank you guys so much for making our show a part of your day we appreciate you don't forget to check out the the podcast uploaded for you it'll be about 15 minutes search uh, sports talk mississippi wherever you get your podcast and subscribe so you never miss a minute for richard and haydad and will east i'm michael borky you'll have a great weekend we'll see you on monday at three good night
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.